cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Five Star Final, aka the Furlough Cast. Jason Jones from Dirty South Soccer and not from MLS right now. Joe Patrick from 1919 Game, Dirty South Soccer and not from MLS right now is right over there. Joe Patrick, we finally have a player mentioned in the theme song that actually is probably going to be on the team. That's right. That's right. Jurgen Dam. Damn, damn. They, I, I want to think that. They're signing Jurgen Dam specifically for us, and for I will be crushed uh, if he goes somewhere else. Well, we'll That's talk what I to Darren about it. I'm sure he'll admit it at some point. Maybe not. Right. Maybe not today, but maybe it'll a few be in years his, down the road. It'll be in his memoirs. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> specifically the chapter about Sam Jones and Joe Patrick. <laughs> that, that's definitely forthcoming. <laughs> there was this there, one there, time there are other they gave me a kick-ass role. Well. It was weird. <laughs> We still have that kick casserole. I still have it. It's so it's so funny you mentioned that. I have a kick casserole to give Darren because he made a very generous donation to the campaign that you started. Um, and I've been packing up my apartment because I'm moving <laughs> after a disaster happened. And uh, and <laughs> and I was putting boxes. I was putting stuff in boxes yesterday. And yeah, I was like, I'm packing this damn kick casserole. It's freaking june i was supposed to give this thing away three months ago and uh yeah it was like i can't have this get scratched by the uh, other stuff so i had to be very careful packing it so i would have caved i would have used it by now <laughs> <laughs> this is my casserole and this is just how the world works now thanks to the pandemic hmm. there you know there are other chapters in that uh in that darren eels dirty south soccer chapter for sure, for sure. The, the, maybe are not just us, and maybe talk about, I don't know, a few other things. Maybe some articles that were canceled once upon a time, as yeah, favors, exactly. things like that. I want to tell that story. I don't know when, when it's going to be safe to do so. There's a <laughs> When that dude dies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. When, and when I safe. say that dude, not the racist MLS buzz account, we we mean like literally just another dude. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um. Geez, a lot to talk about, and we're already just dicking around with this intro, which I is know, great. I know, yeah. We should I'm be so way happy more we have things to this. talk about today. Yes. Like last week, we're kind of like, yeah, we kind of have a thing, but this week, I feel like there's there's some stuff to actually kind of get into. Um. First and foremost, we want to take a look at. Our group, our, our brand new group, our new family that we're going to be living with for the next uh, few months or so in isolation. Uh, Atlanta United taken into Group E in the very much not rigged MLS tournament is back. MLS tournament is back draw. Uh, Atlanta placed in Group E with FC Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls, Columbus Crew SC. And, and just amazingly just happened to be two of the most contentious rivalries in the league right now, got put in the same group. I don't know how that possibly could have happened. Yeah, even Sepp Blatter, uh, he admitted that the uh, the balls were frozen. Although, you know, I was thinking about how they did it. I don't know how they rigged this one because it wasn't like somebody oh, reaching easy. into a bin with a ball. You know, it was somebody picking from another screen. But uh, they probably had like a pre a, a pre zoom zoom to talk yeah, about all, what numbers or whatever you, it was exactly all you have to do is tell them which numbers to pick and which order yeah. to pick them in and it seems a little less little less uh, conspicuous than normal 
Um, even if they did rig the thing, who cares? Come on, I love y'all. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they had come out and just been like, these are the groups, I'd been like, okay, yeah, this yeah, is right. fun, let's do it. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know, um, I'm, I'm genuinely excited that we have uh, some contentious things here. I also wanted to point out the fact that I love the uh, American soccer analysis guys did the yes. analysis on the groups and Orlando's just getting screwed and all the other teams that are in that six team group are just completely getting screwed. <laughs> like Amazing. And I, we were we kind of discussed it on the last show. We we're like, doesn't that seem weird that one of them is six <laughs> and the other two or four? Like, doesn't it like isn't it just harder to come in second or third in that group if there's six teams instead mm-hmm. of four teams? But uh yeah, and we were right. Suck, I guess we weren't nearly as mathematical as they right. were about it. Yeah. And it's really go check out um, John Mueller's Twitter account or just ASA in general. They have a real quick and easy to understand graphic that kind of takes the odds <laughs> from that second group from like thirty three percent chance of advancing to like sixty percent, the same as everyone else. Um, it's really kind of funny. It's just a very simple change where you could just take take someone from that big group and move them somewhere else. Yeah, they really pull no punches with their graphics. I love it. It was awesome. They're basically calling Don Garber a, gum, a dumbass in the graphic. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, like I said, very here for uh, some of the the more interesting matchups, and I, I think we really do have an interesting group and a very a winnable group. But there's some interesting things. I mean, these are teams that Atlanta United has not necessarily fared well against. I mean, even Cincinnati, they're they're what they have a draw and a loss. No, they have two losses. They have two losses. But, I mean, one of them was to Atlanta, and they actually, it was a close game. I mean, granted, Atlanta was still trying to deal with Joseph Martinez being out and all that, and uh, and Lawrence White tragically going down in the Gosh, first yeah. half. Good Lord. <laughs> Whoever that is. I right? forgot about the uh, onslaught of, of injuries before all this that was clearly an indicator of things to come. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they don't have a point. I'm interested to hear your take in, like, how would you rank the teams, like, best to worst in the group? Oh, that's easy. It's Columbus, New York, and Cincinnati. And that's just yeah, okay. straight yeah. up easy for me. Um, yeah, I, we'll kind of get into more of Columbus in a second, because um, I think they're they're pretty... They have, they have the potential to be a very good team, a very interesting team at the very least. And, you know, again, Atlanta, historically, has not necessarily owned Columbus by any stretch. Uh, of course, Cincinnati has gotten a point off Atlanta before, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. they kind of know the blueprint. They've seen the blueprint of how to beat Frank DeBoer. And that was back at the beginning of the year last year when teams had especially seemed to figure out what Atlanta was doing. They, they grabbed a late goal and grabbed a point. Yeah. And I think that when you look at a team like Cincinnati, they're like you said, that they're set up to be able to grind out the points against teams like Atlanta um, that want to control possession and play like very precise kind of ticky ticky taka as much as that happens in MLS to the extent that that happens like a, a, a team that sits deep and organized and t- is tough to break down is a team that can grind out a point so it's going not going to be easy I think for Atlanta against FC Cincinnati you know when you look at some of the Atlanta's best results it's against some of the teams that will go toe-to-toe and play with them and give them open space um those tend to be the more fun games to watch too. So it's not like, you know, it's tough, but yeah, I don't think there's really an easy game in this group for Atlanta. Congrats to FC Cincinnati, by the way, for going at least two or three months now without a racially charged incident, big ups for them. Um, they have only gone like one month without a huge social media gaffe. So that's a little different, uh, but you know, they'll work on it whenever they figure out who their manager actually is. You know. Jason Statham. Jason Statham, Bruce Willis, who everyone talk about. Uh, 
they'll, they'll be a little more under control. Um, other than that, though, I mean, it's not like Cincinnati are a bunch of world beaters. It's going to be tough. But, you know, at the same time, Atlanta should be able to grab points off them. And then, of course, you kind of move up um, our ladder that we've kind of made here just in the last couple seconds with ranking the teams. You move on to a Red Bulls team that Atlanta United still has not beaten in the regular season. And really only beaten once, technically. Um, because the only one that really mattered. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a... It's a boogeyman team for this for this club, really in general, and it's very heated on the field normally. Um, at the same time, this is not 2018 Red Bulls with Jesse Marsh at the helm. It's just not. Yeah, but the Red Bulls are stuff of freaking nightmares. You've got Tom Bar names like Tom Barlow, uh, Sean Davis, oh god, um, Brian White, of ah. course, the legendary Brian White. <laughs> Who else? Who else are some of those players that uh, Rajakowski, Rajakowski, uh, Daniel Royer, I Royer, think is, Royer's yeah. a classic, yeah, classic Royer. goal poacher. Mm-hmm. They've got oh Alex Mule, Moyle, Mule, yeah, Moyle, mm-hmm. Mule. Um, <laughs> God, he's yeah. that really young. They have that really young kid who scored last year too. I can't remember his name right now, but he's also got a super Ivy League name. They just have a lot of bastards. Exactly. Rest in peace, Reese Buckmaster, by the way, who is not with the team anymore, it doesn't appear. But thank God Brian White and Tom Barlow are still there to walk down the hallway and shove a couple of ROTC guys into lockers. Proud I'm still I'm still disappointed that Reese Buckmaster didn't end up on Atlanta United 2 as like, you know, because he's like, he's the guy you see playing like the deer shooter game in the vestibule of the Walmart with that name. Yes. <laughs> I th- had a message pop up right when you said that. It was great for a podcast. Um, awesome. Yes. Uh, it. Chemistry. It's on brand. Can you feel it? On brand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is, I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips is gone. Kamar Lawrence is gone. Um, you know, this is a team that was mostly kind of picked to finish right on the edge of a playoff spot, if that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at the MLS predictions right now. Kalen Carr has them seventh in the East, and that's the highest. Yeah, anyone kind of has them. It, it's um, it's a different team. That press isn't quite nearly as vicious as it used to be. And like I said, you've got Brian White leading the line. You don't have Bradley Wright Phillips doing all these kind of things anymore. Uh, Kaku has Wh- been iffy. It's just yeah, not the he's same. Been a really, yeah, he's been interesting. His if you looked at his uh, the stats the kind of um, saber metrics or whatever you call them from soccer and the expected goals stuff, all of that that he was putting up in Argentina. He was actually one of the most productive players in that league, and I thought he was going to come into MLS and freaking kill it. And he's been all right, but he's mainly been killing fans by like kicking <laughs> ball the ball in their face. I was about to say this is a huge moment for Kaku and and fan safety really by them going down to Orlando and having no one for him to blast a ball into in the front row. Wait, um, way to be thoughtful and, and forward thinking, MLS. I do think I do think that with Red Bull style, which is typically to be aggressive and high press, and you know who knows how much of that exactly we'll see because, um, uh, what's his face, the coach, I'm blanking on the name. Or you're blowing it, just much like Chris Armas did. <laughs> yeah, Chris Armas. Yeah, thank you. That reminded me. What you saying that reminded me exactly of his name. Um, you know, who knows exactly how much he like he's going to change things because he, he's been he's 
tried to transition them to a more of a mid block when he's actively blowing it for them. Um, <laughs> but if if they are coming out high pressing, like you don't necessarily need a bunch of like highly skilled technical players. Like you just need players with a lot of work rate, a lot of determination that can win those balls high up the field. And when you win those ball, balls high up the field, you only need one or two passes to, before it's in the back of the net sometimes. So it's not like you need this team of technically proficient guys. You just need bastards, which is what he has. So always a threat. At the same time, you, you think about the lack of conditioning these guys are probably going to have right now. You got to think about yeah. it's going to be real goddamn hot down there running through July. It doesn't really set up well for a team that, you know, wants to wants to press and wants to get those uh, direct goals like you were talking about. And especially for Red Bulls, I'm not sure exactly how long they've been able to train because of where mm-hmm. they are in the country. I think that they've had a lot less time than a team like Atlanta has. It's been interesting. Just how I was, we were talking to some of the Atlanta players in press conferences last week, and I, I asked, I think it was Anton, I asked if it felt like preseason for them to kind of be back together. And he was like, yes and no. No in that we're preparing to play a league game and not some preseason game, but also no in that they've already been getting a lot of their fitness work done, you know, just in this individual stuff. So um, now they're getting to the point where they're actually playing against each other, like playing 11 v 11 in training and doing some more advanced work. They might not be doing this early in a preseason training camp. So um, it is interesting from that perspective to kind of see how the training changes and how physically prepared they are to execute a tactic you know on the field and especially not just for Atlanta but you know we've been talking about with Red Bulls I think it's very important for them the physical aspect of it is like the biggest part of their game so it's going to be really interesting to see how they come out it's uh it's a team that, like I said it's there's no more Kamar Lawrence they have a lot of questions at fullback uh kind of down the middle that that spine of the team is is pretty solid you got Davis you got Long you got Parker uh who, who mostly all kind of took steps back Last year, I think Parker especially was one who was pretty maligned mm-hmm. by a bunch of Red Bulls folks. Um, and then you have just a bunch of other names that you just don't really recognize at that point. Which is, again, to say that, you know, it's a Red Bulls team. You know, the people you recognize the least are probably the ones that are about to do the most damage to you, especially if you're at Laney United. But at the same time, this is a, a very beatable Red Bulls team. And if we're going to get the first quote unquote regular season win against them it's probably going to be during this tournament i i feel pretty okay about that i think that they can at least get one right yeah i, I yeah hope hope so I, I one thing about tim parker you mentioned i think that it's really interesting with him this is why like you never give a center back a new fresh big contract after he has one good year because in 2018 he was he i think he was defender of the year or he was in the best Long 11 was. or something like that Oh, was it long? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Parker. Parker did, was also had, very good. I mean, they were both very good. They played right next to each other on that back line. And Parker got a big contract right after that and then was not nearly as good last year. And it's just like, it's so interesting with center backs, especially if you talk to people who do the player analysis when it comes to the XG and stuff. It's very hard for them to determine how good a center back is because so much of it is dependent upon the teammates around them, their, their center back partner, the midfield players in front of them leaving spaces, um, you know, like the best center back in the world, if there's acres of space in the gap between that midfield line and the, and the center backs and they just have players running at them with the ball. 
uh, even the best center back in the world is going to have is going to struggle then. So it'll be interesting. I think Miles Robinson is he's another player, a center back who got a big contract. I think he's a little different story. He's clearly like progressing rapidly, and he's super young. Um, but. Yeah, just an interesting uh, move from the Rebels there to give Tim Parker that contract. I guess they kind of had no other option because um, otherwise they were going to have a huge void there. But yeah, I think they're paying right, the Joe, price well, for that now. We've obviously come to the point in the show where we have to do one of our most cherished bits. Uh, we're going to play Dartmouth Men's Lacrosse or New York Red Bulls. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Is Foster Burnley... A Dartmouth men's lacrosse player or New York Red Bull? Uh, that's got to be Dartmouth lacrosse. As a Dartmouth men's lacrosse player, looks like he's a defender. Um, is Jack Forrest a Dartmouth men's lacrosse player or New York Red Bulls player? Um, I'm going to go Dartmouth lacrosse. It's also Dartmouth. Very nice. Um, is John Tolkien... <laughs> A Dartmouth men's lacrosse player or New York Red Bull. Isn't he the author of uh, Lord of the Rings? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say Dartmouth. No, nope, that's a Red Bull. I keep on... <laughs> it's, it's impossible to tell. One time we did this and I we got every single one of them wrong. Oh, like <laughs> ten, ten in a row. Incredible. Uh Jesus, some of these Dartmouth names. I'm just going to go through some of them. <laughs> Westy McLaughlin, Kiernan Gunn, <laughs> Corman, Cormac Zakar, uh, Harlan Smart, Peyton St. Jean, <laughs> Patrick Chabot, Chris McCott, oh William Stone Street, um, golly, Kyle Clampett. Matt Erfley, Reese Lagerquist, Spencer Wesick, and Albie Austin. Good lord. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All future oh Red Bulls gosh. players. Golly. <laughs> I would, I would you know be, these I'd, guys these guys have coronavirus takes too. <laughs> of course. Of course. It is not real because not a single one person they know has been affected. What's the um, name of the Facebook guy? The 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 twins? What's their names? Oh, I was just thinking about that. Um, I know they're played by Army Hammer. Winklevoss. Winklevoss. Yeah, Winklevoss. That's what it is. Nah. <laughs> Couldn't remember. Maybe their oh, son will gosh. go into the Rebels Academy. Gotta think. Winkle- Gotta think. Winkle- yeah. After a prestigious rowing career. Um, <clears throat> all right. The other team that's really interesting in this group, and uh, a team that a lot of folks were... I mean, the, the, the preseason predictions of them were pretty dynamic that I see folks picking them in first all the way back to eighth in the east um, but it's a team that has a lot of potential and a lot of really uh, talented players and a decent coach in Porter and you know like I said has given Atlanta United trouble in a lot of cases um, did we beat Columbus last year I can't remember I know they lost that rain game and I think there was a draw but I'm not uh... sure I think it was a disappointing draw or loss at home. I want to say, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, I think I don't remember a Red Bulls win. We can, we have the power of the internet. I guess we can look this up. <laughs> um, but of course, I mean, we lose Darlington Nagby to the Crew. Um, they have they bring in this guy Zellerion, who's supposed to be everyone's very very high on them. They still have Zardes. They still have Santos. They still have Artur. 
Uh, they still have a full. Uh, it's just a really solid and talented team, very much in the same style that I think Berhalter kind of set them up in. Uh, it's just solid all around. Yeah, for sure. And Tata Martino, you know, it, it's so funny. Like, Berhalter gets all this crap because he is now the U.S. men's national team coach. Tata Martino always said that, like, Berhalter was one of the coaches he most respected and most admired in the league in terms of just the way he wanted his team to play. And again, and I think... Kind of similarly, I think Caleb Porter just also gets a lot of shit um, for reasons. Uh, I guess because he's had some teams that have underperformed quite a bit, especially recently. But he's also won an MLS Cup, and he's been had a, he's been a dominant college coach. He's had successful MLS seasons, and I think that he knows what he's doing. He just he's one of those. I think Caleb Porter's one of those managers who really needs the players in place that can execute what he wants to do. And now he has that. He's got Darlington Nagby, who he had in Portland. Um, I mean, you think about the crew. For me, it just comes down to imagine the crew, except you're essentially replacing Will Trapp with Darlington Nagby. Like you're replacing right a key cog in your team with a player who is probably the best in the league, almost surely the best central midfielder in the league at what he does in terms of keeping possession and distributing the ball like the way Darlington Nagby does. That we all, you know, Atlanta United fans know exactly what he's that he's the best at that more than anybody else. So I think that's just very representative of how difficult of a matchup it's going to be. And then again, and then, you know, in the attack, you've got a, uh, I forget, Zillary Lion. I don't want <laughs> that name. Zara- I'm, sure I'm okay. saying that wrong, but that guy, Dr. I'm from South Z, Georgia, so don't blame me. You got Z man up there. Uh, he's <laughs> essentially replaced Pippa Iguain and Pippa Iguain was a great player in MLS. But I think with, uh, this new guy, Doctor Z, uh, you're just getting you're getting a player that is still uh, just as technical, but maybe more dynamic. He's just a younger player. He's going to be able to move around a lot, as where Iguain was just kind of like your your classic um, Enganch, if I can use a, a football manager wow. term, just a guy yeah. who does not really move, but he's just kind of the player that everybody circulates around so i think that they're just more dynamic they're going to be more direct they're going to be able to be more effective on the counter this year you've got jossie's artists another guy this team is just full of players who have uh (laughs) just get a lot of shit for reasons and still seem to be effective in their roles when uh deployed properly and i think that zardis is another one of those guys I do have some clarification on last year. Uh, we didn't remember because we blocked it out. Uh, Columbus came to Atlanta in September and won 3-1 after beating us in that rain yeah. game and that 2-0 uh, back in March of 2019. The Atlanta did beat Columbus 3-2 in an Open Cup game that, dear God, I can't remember for the life of me. But it did happen in Atlanta United's trip to uh, winning their first Open Cup title. Um, but, yeah, it's a team that, you know is also very deep. I think that's something that's going to be real interesting as games kind of come very quickly here and as mm-hmm. teams kind of regain fitness, even with, you know, five subs and all that kind of thing. Um, it's a team that, you know, you put guys in and they're a, a little above MLS level replacement kind of dudes, you know. Um, it seems pretty deep, at least from like a too deep kind of perspective, um, which is, you know, going to make things tough as they kind of go on a game to game basis here. I can... I would almost bet on on them being one of the three teams at least to to get to the second round of of the MLS's back tournament. MLS For sure. Back. I mean, I think the crew are a team that could win this thing the For whole sure. tournament. Yeah. 
Well, we say that now and they're going to like crash out and lose to Cincinnati, <laughs> which is going to be incredible. But hey, that's why you but come to this H dad. The hell is real derby, right? Very exciting. Very exciting. I don't know how that will translate outside of Ohio. They haven't gotten too familiar yet with each other, I don't think. But uh, it's still, they'll, they'll have some they'll have some idea that the fans are very into it. And that's still the best name we have in MLS for, for maybe anything. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, all right, Joe. Well, there you go. There's a, there's a short little preview. We'll have more coming up on DSS. I'm sure about all the rest of these teams as we get closer to tournament time. I believe the first game is scheduled for July 9th. Am I right? In saying that for us, July 8th, July, July 8th. For uh, us. Our, well, Atlanta's first game is July 12th. July 12th. I'm not even sure who it's going, who it's against. Is that released? Is that information I don't think so. out there? I don't think it is either. Okay. But our game is our first game is July twelfth, which is actually the last match day of like the first round of games, which apparently is what the club wanted. They uh, it essentially so the teams that report, you have to report a week before your first game, so it just gives them more time to train in at Atlanta's facility to stay okay. at home a little bit longer. So uh, yeah, gives more time for Darren to try to pull off some trick shots from his office. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. So let's get some sponsors. Hey, y'all, before we get back into the show, just wanted to give another shout out to Lucid FC for being the presenting sponsor of Five Stripe Final. Lucid FC, of course, stands for Lucid Footwear and Clothing, but it kind of also stands for Football Club. But footwear and clothing is what they sell, but they're also selling masks right now, which I really encourage everybody to go out and wear your masks when you go outside because... COVID-19 seems like it's kind of gone, but it's really not. And I really think that everybody should be wearing masks and you can pick up some really cool ones from Lucid FC for only $10. And the coolest thing about it is that when you buy one from Lucid FC, not only do you get a cool mask, but they also donate four masks to healthcare workers around the world through their partnerships. Uh, it's a, the, na- the mask forms a nasal passage and complements your face contours. It's three times layered, washable, and reusable. So you spend the $10 the one time, you never really have to buy another mask again. But I feel like people are now starting to buy masks for the style like it's kind of uh, fun to have multiple so everybody i encourage everybody to buy a mask and check out some of their other clothes it's really good stuff um you can enter a free shipping code dss at checkout for free shipping or you can also just pick it up curbside if you're local they have a studio right there in buckhead you could just go do a uh, touchless pickup at their studio so i would encourage anybody to check that out if you want to do that just choose pickup uh, on your shipping Thank you again to Lucid FC for being a loyal sponsor for us, and I hope everybody goes out there and buys a mask. Wow, I, I forgot that was even an ad, like a like an audiobook for the soul, Joe Patrick. Incredible reading from you. Do you do you do professional work? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't you care. Can find actually. me on no, Fiverr. Let's just, let's you can just find me on, on Fiverr. No. On what? Fiverr. That's like where you can like pay five bucks to get a voiceover. We should do that. Like for our intro, we should get some oh. like crazy voice guy to read something for us we know kyle tate that's true we, we should get kyle to do it yeah he would do it he may listen to this still i don't know anyway um hmm joe patrick lots of other things to talk about as far as the world of atlanta united um we have a potential signing coming in and we do kind of want to touch on that real quick um because we feel we will say that we feel relatively confident that it is coming Damn, damn. Yeah, Jurgen Dam. So so to give people some background on this, Jurgen Dam, his contract at Tigres has run out 
uh, or is going to run out this summer. It's kind of weird because these contracts and things are thrown off, I think, by the coronavirus situation. The fact that like transfer windows have just been abandoned pretty much like <laughs> nobody knows when those things are going to happen anymore. Um, but I think a lot of things line up for him to come to Atlanta. When you think about the space that Atlanta has, the fact that I don't think Atlanta has really exhausted all of its allocation money um, available to it. Jurgen Dan would be coming on a free transfer. I think I, it's been reported that he's like, not even reported. I, I think he said that he or his agent has said he's coming to MLS. It's just a matter of what team he comes to. And when you look at a guy like the, or the Manuel Castro, the right winger that we have yet to see play for Atlanta <laughs> United, he is on a six-month loan or a, a short-term loan. So his loan is, was set to expire this summer. And I'm not sure, again, what the status of that now is, whether it's the same time frame or whether they have to wait for a transfer window to open back up in Argentina or something for that him to go back. But it would all line up for a player like Jurgen Dam to come to Atlanta. And if anybody doesn't know anything about Jurgen Dam, he is a winger who was like at one time he was like the fastest player in FIFA or something. Like he's just like super, super fast, very small and highly unproductive <laughs> at least he's at least at least that's what he's been in uh mm-hmm. in in mexico yeah, i mean at one time he was like a very bright prospect for the mexican national team and he is not anymore it's an elite fifa pickup i've definitely done it in the past <laughs> i recognized his name immediately i went oh that guy he's fast you know yeah. um but I, but i think his greatest contribution sweaty. isn't that what they say in, in, in fifa he's a sweaty player Ew, what FIFA are you playing? Joe got that. Anyway. Trust me, um, people will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I sure I hope. hope so, for your sake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, the biggest thing you need to know about Jurgen Dam is that um, he has the greatest, or maybe the worst, maybe the worst possible end to a story that you can possibly have. If your story, in any case, if anything you're talking about, ends with and then i was escorted out of the el pollo loco in handcuffs you have done something very 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 wrong um god this this fucking lead Do you like throw a chicken nugget at somebody or something what happened uh <laughs> just let's just let's just revel in this lead for a second jurgen dam is not having a good 2018 just weeks after burning his face in a fireworks accident the speedy tigress winger was caught on video being escorted out of an El Pollo Loco in handcuffs. Oh my god, that is amazing. You're not you're you're not really a superstar soccer player until you've like burned yourself in a fireworks accident. Exactly. It's it's very Balotelli, isn't it? Um yeah. god, incredible. Who I mean, he also just got released. Why not just bring them both in and they can, yeah, you know, seriously. bring them in on July 4th, both of them, and, you know, announce them with some fireworks. It'd be perfect. Yeah. That's, nah, <laughs> exactly. they'll just do, they'll just do a sentence and an emoji. Who am I kidding? Yeah. Um, right. but my gosh, if <laughs> just, just add, and then I was escorted from an El Pollo Loco in handcuffs to the end of any of your stories. <laughs> Any of them. It, it instantly improved them drastically. Um, it was this weird thing where he was like pulled over by police and then decided to run for some reason. It, it It's all been worked out. He did not go to jail. 
has been it said it's a misunderstanding but his idea was to run from the police and then hide in the restroom of the el pollo loco which of course i believe means uh crazy chicken um which is of course going to be his nickname once he gets here um very excited about like crazy chicken I'm, I'm imagining like one of those scenes in like a movie or something where you know like a parkour scene where you're like running away from the cops and you uh keep on like finding yourself like running into corners and then you like finally hop over a wall or something to get away and then but i'm imagining Jurgen dam doing this and then he runs he's just running and he then he just like gets himself cornered into a, a corner stall and it's yeah, like there's no escaping that. That's that's the freaking <laughs> thing here, man. You got 99 pace on FIFA. Why Was he gonna like you flush himself in? down the toilet or something? Like, <laughs> outrun the cops. Come on. <laughs> I guess they had his car at that point. Um, yeah. But still. Um, so there you go. There's my favorite thing about him. Um, no idea what happened in the fireworks incident. That's uh, not. We'll, we'll get some clarification on that in a little bit. But. Um, like I said, super interesting. We don't know what's happening with Castro. Uh, we know that... I don't know. It seems kind of very not Frank's MO to bring in someone just based on pace. Um, it's super interesting to me that this is the, the kind of move yeah. that he's chosen to make. Uh, but I, apparently, you know, there's some interest there, even though he's kind of denied it in the past. Uh, <laughs> I think, what did he say? The Atlanta United Fan TV pulled it up today. Yeah, uh, I don't have the quote in front of me, but maybe I can pull it up. Uh, He said, if my Slack will load up, he said, uh, nobody from the team has told me about that player. MLS needs players like him to raise the level, but we're not in contact with him. So there's that. Frank is usually pretty honest, but it's also would be honest for him to say he has not been in contact with him, but Carlos Bocanegra has. You know, like you could spin that. Um, it and sounds I say like that, it sounds like Jurgen Dam was hiding in a Frank DeBoer outfit and didn't want anyone to know it was him. If that makes sense, like, oh wow, Jurgen Dam, I've I, I haven't heard of him, but he sounds great, really handsome, <laughs> really fast, yeah, really cool. You should sign him. It's the kind MLS of player needs players like him. I have no idea who he is. He sounds great, <laughs> Frank DeBoer. <laughs> It's like a Scooby-Doo and he has the mask <laughs> taken off or whatever. Exactly, um, exactly. But I do think that Atlanta does... The, Atlanta already has kind of players like him. Like, you get... Even a guy like Luis Fernando, uh, who is... Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a ton expected of a player like Luis Fernando, but he is... He did come up from Atlanta United 2 last year, and he is kind of that mold of, like, a direct, pacey guy. And I don't know... Yeah, to, to your point, I don't know kind of if Jurgen Dam really fills that much of a a role for us in the team. So we'll see. Well, there are a whole lot of questions in general about how we're going to line up. Of course, Joseph not back yet. Um, still working through that ACL tear. It was crazy to see. You you pointed this out, Joe, just how much his muscle had atrophied uh, uh, yeah. on, on his down that leg. Uh, they showed him working on it a little bit, though. He'll get it back up, I'm sure. Um, and you know, you hopefully, yeah, it was interesting. Like they always talk about how your other leg becomes more susceptible to an ACL mm-hmm. tear after you have the first one. And it totally made sense to me looking at it from just how much muscle was on Joseph's other leg, you know, at that point. And I was like, of course yeah. you'd be leaning on that. The other one can barely function, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so interesting to see how that kind of comes, but yeah. 
Apparently, it, with ACLs, it's in the other leg. The fear is microfracture, a microfracture, which is a pretty significant injury to have to rehabilitate in its own right. But that can happen from the the overcompensation. So, hopefully, he's been able to stay off of it quite a bit, especially with the coronavirus thing happening during his recovery. Hopefully, he hasn't been tempted to try to do too much and just be able to stay oh. off of it and get back as soon as as he can. He probably tried to play like the next day. Let's be real. <laughs> like, yeah. Too competitive. Um, go check out I our Marco Parker's interview to learn more about that. He even went up. He, I mean, when the injury happened, he went back on the field. He did. That's right. That's right. God. Remember in Nashville when we were all so happy and, and carefree and riding on fan buses and all sorts of fun things? So I was, as you'll remember, I was not in the press box that night. I was just taking the game in as a fan. And there was one time during the game, I went to the bathroom and there was a guy in there that was like, everybody wash your hands, coronavirus. And like, people were kind of laughing or like, you know, yeah, yeah. like no big deal. Well, you know, I was freaked out. You were freaked out. And you were right. The night before that happened, because I had to ride on a supporter's bus with with people that I love dearly, the Atlanta United fans. But I was not concerned about them specifically, but just being in an enclosed bus with 60 other people for four hours Mm -hmm. each way was not exactly um, something I wanted to do after seeing a a CNN report the night before that said that was like the ultimate doomsday news report, which pretty much happened. I remember I literally said, Joe, calm down because I am an idiot. There you go. Um, good times. Gosh, good times. Good times. Um, for, for good times to be ahead of us, though, they've got to make some changes with the lineup. We got to figure out exactly what uh, Lady Knight is going to do. And, and right now, the best theory I've seen is something that you and, and Rob Ushery have kind of harped on on DSS. Go check out those posts about the lineup possibilities on com, But I think you guys are both have a, a very wonderful kind of idea. It's definitely something I would do on a FIFA kind of idea, but I think it practically it has a really good shot to work as well. And that's implementing a false nine with either PT or Mateus Joseto. Yeah. I think that um, even no matter who you use in the role is to me, that's kind of secondary to the point that you want to put, your best 11 soccer players as much as you can in the starting 11. You want your best players out there playing for you to an extent. You can't always do that because sometimes like when you have two good left backs or something, you know, it becomes harder to do. But I think in this instance, you can work it out. And Frank DeBoer brought it up. I wish I didn't, I was looking for the quote to put in the story that I wrote and I could not find where I had actually transcribed it or written it anywhere. But I swear to God, he said he he talked about using potentially a false nine last year when Joseph was away at Copa America, and that was the first time. It, like, I think he had just proposed it as like, well, we could because we there were options being talked about who would replace him and this kind of thing, and um, he brought it up. So I thought that that was interesting because a lot of people say, well, it's not really in his mo because. Uh, it's just not like when you look at the lineage of coaches that Frank DeBoer comes from, it's just like not something that they tend to do that much. But I think, it, you know, I just think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that if you're Atlanta, the the maybe one of the most effective things you can do in this Orlando tournament is try to uh, present tactical issues for the other team. Like the other team is going to be scrimmaging against itself until it plays these games. In fact, Carlos Bocanegra said these teams are barred from actually playing any sort of outside competition 
before the tournament. So it's going to be very difficult for another team to like scout team a false nine situation, you know, because it's a very particular way you have to deal with that as an, as an opposition, the way you have to organize yourself, the way you have to kind of trade off um, and communicate with one another who's picking up who, who's marking who, because with a false nine, you can create lots of overloads in different spaces of the field. So I think that it would be potentially very effective. There is a drawback though, that with the false nine, obviously you're pulling your forward, your guy that you typically rely on to score the goals and be in the box. You're pulling him away from that area. So you can, the, the, the way it doesn't work is that you just end up with a really stagnant team where you don't really have players in those threatening positions to score, which of course we all know how that looks under Frank DeBoer. Like we, <laughs> we've seen that. And I think that to an extent, Frank DeBoer tried to implement that to it a bit. And I think it, over time he did implement it with Joseph, like not playing as a false nine, but I think that what we saw out of Joseph last year was him playing a much more complete role as a forward instead of just always being that poaching forward that he was under Tata Martino where Tata always wanted his teams to be getting the ball wide get the crosses in and let Joseph get on those get on the end of it if you look at where Joseph scored his goals from under Tata Martino like there's nothing uh, Mm -hmm. outside of the penalty spot it's everything is inside from the penalty spot and in Uh, so I think that Frank DeBoer actually improved Joseph to an extent last year in asking him to do a bit more and I think it uh it was slow at first, and and we saw the reasons why. But maybe the team is more adept to playing with that kind of style of striker now. Uh, and I don't think Adam John would be the guy, even if he wants to play him in the kind of role that Joseph was last year. I don't think that John is really, you know, capable of moving around that much to be able to do it. So hopefully they can use this time to implement something like that. Been a rough few weeks for Adam John. We won't get into why, but just been a rough few weeks. Yeah, um, he's definitely not the guy, and and I completely agree. You you put a more talented player, and there. he was never he was never brought in to be that guy. Right, exactly. You know, like he like yeah, it would be kind of unfair to expect him to come in and and do certain things. Like he was totally just supposed to come in and essentially be a warm body. And here's my thing too. You talked about that first edition of Frank DeBoer's team last year, where it was very. There's a lot of trepidation, a lot of, you know, a very stagnant kind of play. In a format like this, that's not the worst thing. It's really, yeah. really not. Uh, we, we, I've kind of talked about it before, but I kind of have this idea in my head that MLS is, as a as a kind of mistake of a league, is all about mistakes, especially in the play. Um, and the more you can limit those mistakes, uh, you know that the other team is going to, to make them. And then, you know, you see teams like Seattle do really well in, in single elimination tournaments because, you know, they have that really kind of steady play and then you know yeah. they're able to get past lafc who makes a, a bunch of mistakes because they're playing a more volatile style in the western conference and this is all a little harebrained a little crackpot but i i, I really do kind no, of believe that there's yeah um you know mls is about especially in single elimination tournament formats it's about limiting your mistakes so you know even if it is a, a stagnant kind of move forward for atlanta um it could still work out pretty well in a format like this and even like when LAFC got knocked out last year, like you mentioned, like people were surprised, but I don't think they were completely shocked that it was possible for that to happen. Exactly. Like people knew that LAFC was a good team, but when it happened, it was like that makes people were like that makes sense, you know, like you mm-hmm. know, teams like LAFC aren't supposed to do well in MLS, or they're, or they're it's not set up for them to do well because of kind of the way the league is and the quality and all that. So 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. Winning these tournaments can sometimes feel like a slog. Even when you look at World Cups, like World Cup winners, oftentimes it's not the prettiest thing in the world. You look at a team mm-hmm. like um, Italy, who won it in 06, I want to say. It's like they pretty mm-hmm. much relied on a really strong defense and and just plowed their way through the tournament. So that's kind of the way that these cups go. You just got to kind of limit your mistakes and take advantage of those advantage of the ones that you do get. Everyone also always points to that Greece team from like 04 in the Euros. Yeah. Maybe it was 08. Yeah. I can't remember. 04 Euros. But, uh, yep. They just, you know, completely set back and just, you know, BS their yeah. way to a, to a championship, which is incredible. It can happen. <laughs> these these formats are not set up for, you know, the, the best team to necessarily go out and do something special, which is what's going to make and, it fun. And hey, Tata Martino in 2018. Like it was a. Yep. It, it, and. Yeah, like he he had to adjust his style and go to a back five and play really conservative to to make it through that, and it was the right thing to do. But you know that's just the way that, that you have to kind of that's the mentality you have to have as a team. Exactly, it's super interesting to me that like they kind of have to have that mentality in the middle of the year, and it also kind of like translate to regular season because normally you would play a regular season game. Yeah. Um, like LAFC would, you know, you you would go after and, and really kind of chase the points. But this one, they they don't necessarily have to do that which is you know weird that it's kind of plopped in the middle of the season but also still counts for the regular season points and all that kind of thing um right. it's it's all a mess god bless mls for sure hmm. um well good news is depending on what happens here we, we you personally yes you dear listener may have a way to watch these games with all yeah. of your favorite atlanta united friends and fans as long as as you stay seated inside your vehicle and keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> Which I'm sure will happen. Like, Which I'm sure no, everyone No one will. will get outside their car and kick a soccer ball and... <laughs> Fire up a green egg and anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely won't happen. Not at the Home Depot backyard of all places. Darren Eels uh, mentioned today that uh, they're looking at potentially having like a drive-in theater type viewing party for some of the Atlanta United games. Um, in theory, sounds like a blast. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what benefit you would have from going over and sitting in your car to watch it. Um, I guess you could honk your horn along with everybody else, and that sounds kind of fun. Uh, but if you are going to say that people are going to have to remain in their car, I don't quite see why you would do it when you can just sit at home and be stuck with the same people. <laughs> I wonder if they could do it where it's like you get the audio like through some channel in your car or something. I don't oh, know. Yeah, totally. That, that's something that can be worked out. But um, yeah, it doesn't seem like the best way to actually watch the game. If like you're really interested in having a nice picture to look at and audio to hear. But yeah, I, I tend to think that people just will are desperate to have some social interaction with other people mm-hmm. even if it's through just like looking at them through their car windows and honk, <laughs> honking honking their horns and that kind of thing like um i think enough people are interested in that kind of experience to make this worth it for the club and i think that for the club if 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 that's correct then you at least open up some small source of revenue for you to try to keep you know paying employees and doing what you need to do as a club to keep the lights on but uh i certainly understand i think atlanta in particular is in a tough spot here with all this covid because you know the club has built itself as a business 
relying on having this huge broad base of fans that are packing 40,000 plus into the stadium every game and having that revenue available to it. And now they've got to carry on and have the team performing and operating without all that income. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy for them that they can at least, you know, have this little source of inflow. I, I know we always like to look at like, well, they got Arthur blank. Why can't he pay for it? Um, I think a big thing is it's straight up cash. They'd be generating that they can then turn around. And it's a lot, there's a big difference between having cash available and just having like value in assets like Mercedes Men's Stadium, where it's like, yeah, that's a that's a billion dollar asset that is on Arthur Blank's uh, mm-hmm. balance sheet, but it's not cash that he can u- use to pay players or whatever he needs it for. So, yeah. well, you make a great point that, like, from a PR perspective, if you if you cram 500 cars into that thing. You can take a picture of that and be like, look, we're still coming out. We still have this kind of reputation, this brand, even in the midst of all this. Um, it mm-hmm. is a way of right. validating that brand and that existence. Um, and of course, like you said, people are going to show up. Because some of y'all were in line for the reopening of the got dang team <laughs> store at Atlantic Station. Like you couldn't just go on freaking Etsy and get like a casserole or like an Atlanta United wood carving or something like that. No, you had to be in line for the team store. What is wrong with y'all? I do think, speaking of this, unless Home Depot, you listen to the show, if that was you, we love you. Thank you for listening to Five Star Final. <laughs> yeah. I do think with with the backyard thing, I think it's going to be expensive because you got to think about all the hurdles that the club has to jump through. With I'm, I'm, they probably got to get approvals from some sort of city. Like I can't imagine that the city or the state or some municipality wouldn't have a say in like a gathering of this amount of people, mm. uh, even if it is like legal. I'm not even sure if like. Is ga- is gathering cars together a gathering? You know, because like people drive. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how that works. I imagine they're pretty okay if they're in a car. Like I don't know. I, I gotta think. Yeah, but it's like people are gonna get out of the car. You, you know, I don't. People are definitely gonna get out of the car. You'll definitely have to sign a waiver if you buy one of these reserves. Yeah. Just uh, like your boys over at Ohio State. Did they sign waivers? They did sign waivers, but they, they didn't say it was a waiver. They said it was a Buckeye pledge. <laughs> if that makes sense. Go Bucks. Um, Go Bucks. That's our first college football reference, and we are 48 minutes into this thing. I'm very impressed by us. Wow. We're getting better wow. at this. Sad. Amazing. Um, well, y'all did have some questions. Uh, I think we've kind of touched on a lot of it. We mentioned the false nine a little bit. Um, someone says Dirk and Dan question mark. And we say, yes, we say yes. If we're wrong, don't, yeah. don't add us. Um, but we think we're right. Um, and that is the meme we've been posting on Twitter oh, yeah. about the checking out the MLS news. That is of Jurgen Dam. He's just waiting, just reading the updates, waiting for the latest El Pollo Loco to open up. So we can <laughs> right. go back to his safety space. He'll only go to an MLS team with a uh, El Pollo Loco in the market. I'm 99% sure there's one still in Gainesville and there may be one right outside of Athens still. I'm there's not sure. There's definitely one in Roswell. There's definitely one in Roswell. There you go. We, we have potential here. <laughs> a Pollo Loco part two. Um, let's see. Um, there is one question here that we kind of haven't touched on. It's from Everhart Creative um, who asks, does the abbreviated season slash tournament situation help or hurt Barco's and Pitty's value on the market and what are the chances we get one or both of them 
for another year. Um, and right now, I think the answer is unequivocally yes. It hurts their value on the market, um, which I think does mean we we get both of them probably for the next year. Uh, they may, they may be gone, yeah. you know, in the winter, but I, I don't see them leaving the summer or anything like that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, every every player's transfer value is going to be hurt by this. And uh, yeah, I don't see them. I did see uh, both of them departing relatively soon. But like coming into the season before all the COVID stuff, I was thinking Barco could potentially even leave mid-season. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, definitely end of season. And I think Pitti probably would have been on the same timeline. I mean, I think it's been... Pitti's made no... Um, made it clear that like this is like he wants a move to Europe after he wants Atlanta to help him get that move to Europe and to me I feel really bad for him because he seemed like he came after he had the struggles last year he said he straight up said he was like last year was not good enough for me he understood that and he came into this season playing really well and he seemed like he had a really clear head and was like much more engaged in everything that was going on with the team I felt like last year he wanted to try to like just come in, dominate in MLS, get his move, and like not really um, set down roots, you know, like to, to to kind of borrow a term. And I felt like he was doing that a little bit more coming into this season. And now I think he's going to be stuck here a little bit longer. I think for both those guys, you're going to see them stick around a little bit longer. But I think that at the end of the day, you, both of them will move on. I think. I don't think anyone's retiring an Atlanta United player. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Hard agree. Hard agree. Uh, we did have one last question from my boy Gabe, uh, who asked Joe, Spurs United prediction. Do you even want to think about Spurs right now? Ooh, um, see, the thing is, I have really no idea what's going on with Man United. Um, not optimistic about Spurs, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. Uh, I'll go a two-two. I think it'll be a fun open game. Lots of mistakes. Of course, goals Love galore. It. There you go, Gabe. Um, go check out com for all your updates on things not Spurs, but definitely Atlanta United. Um, go check out the Twitter account at DirtySoc, Sock. Go check out Joe Patrick on Twitter at jpatrick200. Go check out me on Twitter at j underscore Sam Jones. I interact with LeVar Burton sometimes. It's pretty fun. Um, keep listening to all the DSS podcasts, all that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, stay safe out there. Be kind to each other. Do good things. Um, I'm not going to say that because that's kind of radical. I'm not going to say that. I, ha- I had some thoughts pop into my mind. Um, congrats to anyone who is a dreamer and got really good news today. Very happy about that. That's all I'll say. Cool. Uh, anything else, Joe Patrick? Shout out Jorge Thieler. <laughs> Throwback. Bye, all <laughs>